ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Welcome to another edition of Hard to Paint with David Grubb. Though I have conflicted emotions about this at time, it is almost time for the NBA restart. There's going to be a lot of basketball discussion this week on the show, so I've reached out to one of the busiest people on the NBA beat, Ashley Neville. Ashley is a sports reporter and mentor who has appeared on ESPN, Fox Sports, and on pages of a number of major websites covering the NBA, NCAA, and more. She's been with some of the biggest names in sports and uh, just does an outstanding job. I'm really glad to have her on to discuss what's going on inside and outside of the NBA bubble in Orlando. I'll have that interview when we return on Hard to Paint with David Grubb. I'm giving drugs I'm a pop star, not a doctor. Hey, shorty with the long text, I don't talk. Shorty with the long legs, she don't walk. Welcome back to Hard to Paint. This is David Grubb, and I am welcoming to the show, Ashley Neville, uh, one of the busiest NBA reporters around, has done some of the interviews with some of the biggest names in the business, and I'm glad to have her here today. Welcome to Hard and Paint. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, a lot going on, but but first I'd like to give um, our listeners a little background on you. So if you could, um, first let's start with this. Uh, part of your career is as a mentor. Yes. And this business has certainly changed over the last few years, and particularly yeah. for us during this coronavirus epi- uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen tons of us get laid off, a lot more fragmentation. Mm-hmm. How has it impacted you as a journalist? And then just as somebody, don't give away the farm, the stuff you sell. Yeah. You know, what are the kind of things that you tell folks just in passing now about you know, where you see this business going? Well, I do think it's really important, and I try to preach this all the time, is for people to use their own platforms and develop their own content as best as they can. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I need X, Y, and Z in order to get it done. But if you have a cell phone or a computer, that's how I started. Um, back in 2016, I always refer back to this. You know, I all I had was a selfie stick and a cell phone, and I got credentialed to go to NBA Summer League, and I was just filming away and, you know, had a little, like a microphone to plug into my phone and was doing my interviews that way. And even when I did not have athletes to interview, I still was on there giving my takes, doing some, you know, funny content, adding in some different, um, like if I was talking about a particular subject, I can put a graphic, you know, next to me. So, I mean, there's so many ways that people can get content out there. I feel like a lot of people tend to wait for opportunities to come to them And I think in order to get ahead or to at least show people that you're serious about what you do, you you need to produce your own content and you just got to get started. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, look at how much stuff is going on right now. Mm -hmm. Every day there's something, even during the pandemic. Um, And yeah, the pandemic is going to be, you know, it's definitely hurt me a lot um, just because we don't have any events, any runs to go to. I mean, right now it would have been nba summer league or would have been la for all those runs and different events going on so it's definitely impacted me um but i'm still just trying to plug away and get my own content and i've been just reaching out to athletes directly who i've had relationships with and said hey i would love to you know get an interview with you see how life's been during quarantine um you know talk about whatever they're doing you know i know a lot of the social injustice things have been going on too so i've been 
uh, allowing athletes to talk about that on my platform too. So it just, for me, I love what I do and I don't want to let the pandemic stop me from doing what I love to do. But yeah, it's definitely taken, you know, you know, a couple steps back and it's not ideal, but I think, you know, during quarantine and even during, and even now, like athletes aren't really doing much, you know, it's not like they have this grueling <laughs> NBA schedule. So they have nothing better to do really anyways right now. So thankfully I've been, you know, blessed with the opportunity to interview them and, you know, just make, just make more connections. So that's my biggest piece of advice is to just continue doing your own content because like, you said too, is there's so many people who've lost their jobs during this time. You can't depend on another company to hire you. So we have Instagram, we have Twitter, LinkedIn's also a big one, Facebook. Like we have all these different platforms now that you literally can use um, and develop a big following, YouTube as well. So I, I definitely encourage that. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, um, I got back into this. I started in television in 2000 and I got out because it was, I didn't like TV because for me, it was, I couldn't really express myself. You know, you're doing local TV, you get three minutes, three and a half minutes, and weather yeah. usually would bite into it. And I'd be like, <laughs> you worked hard on your show and it was that. Um, and I got back into it as a writer first, as a credentialed writer, and then um, eventually started doing radio. And, and now, again, like you said, the versatility is so important. You have to be able to communicate through the written word, you have to be able to communicate verbally, you have to be able to have a presence on camera. All of those things are so vital now because you have to make money in multiple pots. If you're not doing that, you're starving. For, for real, I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, I think a lot of people in my family still don't get it. This is a big one where, you know, family really tries to discourage their, their kids from getting into the industry or why don't you have one full-time job that's employing you? And this is just like such an old school way of thinking. And mm -hmm. I can't even get my parents to understand where I'm coming from at this point. I, I, I fight with them all the time. They're like, you should be here, 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 here. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but times have changed um, where we're seeing so many freelance reporters juggling multiple jobs, whether it's some people I know five to 10 different things here and there. And, you know, there's some companies I'll do like, you know, um, an article one time and then I won't hear from them for another three, four months and then they'll hire me again for another one. And then there's another company I'm producing podcasts for, or I'm doing interviews for, or, or whatever, um, or I'm selling my content to certain companies where they're like, okay, if you like that interview, we'll buy it from you. There's so many different ways I think in revenue streams uh, to make money, but that notion that, you know, I mean, you were in a, in a place where I think news stations, like to me, like I've been denied uh, jobs from news stations all along. I don't know why, but I'm thankful because I feel that, like you said, you, you don't get enough airtime. And they also discourage you from using your platform to do things outside of what they do. Yes. So not only are you stuck into a contract with them where it's full time, but you don't have any time to work on the things that you want to work for yourself. So for me as an entrepreneur and for someone who uh, really encourages people to produce their own content and own their own content, um, like I said, a, a newsroom, yes, it's important to get the experience, get your foot in the door, build your resume, build connections, but it's also important to not let yourself go. And, um, you still need to be doing what you truly enjoy. So I encourage both, but for me, like I'm more happy doing the social media. I'm more happy maybe work with like a, a bigger network or with a team, you know, things like that. I'm not super big on the whole news station thing because they right. do try to try to limit you. So that's my take on that. 
Yeah, that was just, it was just a cage that I just didn't fit in. And, and mm-hmm. for some people, that's perfect. And that's, you know, we all have to find our own paths. And I think, like you said, that's an, it's a very old school way of thinking that you do one job for 25 years and mm-hmm. then you, you retire or whatever. And that's just, that's just not the way we can make it in this industry anymore. Another question on that, though, one of the conversations directly tied to the social justice movement has been representation in sports, both by um, people of color and women. And you're starting to see more experiences by, by those um, groups in talking about their experiences within newsrooms, talking about just the uncomfortable natures of, of some of this and trying to get credentialed and trying to get access and women talking about harassment and the way that they're viewed in the locker room. Mm-hmm. How important is it? for you to be to see these discussions happening right now and to make sure that there is some transformation in a business that is overwhelmingly white male at this point? Well, I think it's all going to start with white males or black males or just males in general to be allies to women, um, especially women of color, because we know that they deal with the most discrimination out of everyone. Um, so I think it's important that we have males as our allies to be able to call out the disrespect and the harassment and be able to hold their friends or colleagues accountable. Um, You know, I've dealt with with issues in this industry too, where I'm either talked to the wrong way or someone touches me the wrong way or I'm perceived the wrong way. Um, And that's something that like, you know, I can't always control. And a lot of times, like people say, well, why didn't they speak up about this? Like, there are so many reasons why people don't necessarily speak up about harassment in the workplace is because, again, they fear that no one's going to believe them. They fear that they're going to lose their job. They fear that they're going to ruin someone else's life in their job. Because I know people who've dealt with this stuff that think, well, if I tell, I'm going to ruin this person's life, even though he just ruined mine. Um, I, I think there's so many different components that go into trauma that people don't really understand unless you've dealt with it. It's not that simple to just, you know, deal with something and come out and speak about it. Um, it's, it's, it's hard because you never know how your employer is going to take it. Again, like we've seen so many different companies and teams trying to sweep it under the rug over the years who clearly know about something going on, but they were like, Oh, whatever. Well, we'll either just pay the person or we'll fire the person. Oh, they're not going to say anything. They don't have enough power. So I really think it's important for people who are leaders of certain teams um, to speak up and also for, for the male, for males to speak up and be allies to us. But for me, um, I don't, I've never been one to tolerate anything. Um, and at least anymore. I mean, it took me a long time to go through those experiences. I still deal with stuff though, every day with people making comments or commenting strictly on my looks and not enough on the content I'm putting out. And I mean, yeah, it's a compliment when someone says, Oh, you're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But like, I want to be complimented for the work I put out for, Mm -hmm. you know, the interviews I provide for the questions that I ask. Um, I want to be more known for the thing, things that are, that come from the inside and not from, you know, the exterior. And that's always been a battle for me. Um, I think too, is even how women dress, you know, it's something also that I've struggled with because I'm a little bit shorter and I'm a little bit thicker. So if I wear an outfit that's tight and another woman wears an outfit that's tight, who's six feet tall and has long legs and she's thin, um, it's considered sexual on me, but it looks good on her. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm not allowed to wear certain outfits. And then it's like, you know, it's, it's a struggle in my head where I'm like, oh my God, is this too revealing? Is this too tight? Is this too, like, can I wear my hair like this? Or I have to have my hair, you know, it's just, 
it's just certain things that like people shouldn't have to deal with yeah. if their content is good and they're respectful in the workplace. So I just think that there's so many double standards, you know, where a guy can just roll out of bed and whatever, here I am. And then it's like, no, I need to get my contour. I need to do my makeup and I need to make my, make sure my hair looks good. Um, I can't wear certain things to practice. And it's just, just some things that I feel like aren't fair. And there's a double standard where we're required to look and present ourselves in a certain way, but then guys can act and do a certain way. I just think that, um, I'm not about the double standards. I think that it should be fair across the board. And I'm really happy that people are starting to speak out and I a hundred percent encourage it. And I will stand by anyone um, who speaks out about anything. And I mean, it, this can go both ways, you know, mm -hmm. men can be discriminated as well um, in the workplace and they could deal with, you know, certain things. So I don't want to downplay anyone's traumas or anyone's past history, but um, I will support and stand up for anyone who speaks out. And I, I hope people continue to do so. Yeah, I think the difference is for, for me is, A, first and foremost, no one has ever commented on how I look on camera. That never happens. I you know, that, yeah, and, and I can show up wearing a T-shirt and jeans and a sport coat and some sneakers and nobody's going to bat an eye. But you're absolutely right. You know, you, women get text messages. They get emails. They get Twitter comments. And the first thing is, and you get admonished for it at times. Why don't you do this? Why are you doing this? And the other part, too, is the structural nature of it, where once a woman enters the locker room, a lot of times, the first thing is objectified, questioned the credibility. Do you know what you're talking about? And then the third part is, are you here as a groupie or as a reporter? Mm -hmm. And I hear that so much. And nobody it will ask that of men who cover women's sports. Nobody will ask that of, in, in any other sector. But a woman walking in to do her job and you put her in the position of having, which I have always wondered why we have to go in locker rooms in the first place, but it's a little weird. It's a, yeah. I agree. Like I, I, it's like we go in there and they're changing. Like you literally see these guys in their towels and like, I'm always turned around because like, it's just, you know, it's just not like, like a respect thing. I don't, yeah. I don't know why they do it. Um, I think they're afraid that, that players are going to get dressed and leave. They and do. They, can sneak out. they do. That's why they let us in the locker rooms when they're changing so that they can't leave. But it's so, to me, like a violation of space. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't want to go in the locker room and see that. I just want to do my job. Like to me, it's like, wow. Like I can't imagine me being in a locker room and trying to change and there's reporters everywhere. But I understand why people might say, oh, why are females in the locker room? I mean, it could go both ways though, too. Um, I think it's a little weird as well regardless of male or female yeah. i still think it's weird yeah i just it's not where i should be i, I, I don't want to be around people changing and getting <laughs> you know i mean and they're getting iced up and they're doing all these things getting ready and it's and and for people who have not been in there it is not the most glamorous thing in the world to be in a locker no. room it, it mm -hmm. really isn't it's not that fun the players don't really want you in that space you don't particularly want to be in that space so, but it's no. part of the job it's just it's what they've told you what we have to do um, for the shoot arounds for sure yes shoot arounds shoot arounds are the best yes they and are those... because it's just it's it's more it's just lighter you know the contents better it's not like they just came off of a loss and they're just like oh they don't want to talk to you and it's like what more could you say about a game you just lost like you know we didn't rebound the ball well um you know we we didn't um we weren't quick on the fast break you know just like certain things where it's like yo if you watch the game you freaking know you don't necessarily need a quote every single time they i will give the nba credit though they do give us a lot of access um yes. before games after games shoot arounds throughout the week 
um, at least when the sun for the sun's out here, like we had so much access, um, which was incredible, and I really appreciated it for sure. But yeah, so, some things. I mean, if I have to choose any time to do interviews, it's gonna be after shoot around. Absolutely, um, it's not gonna be before a game when they're you know just trying to mm -hmm. get you know locked in, and then it's definitely not gonna be after a game when they're just they're just trying to go home. You know, they're just <laughs> trying to eat. They're just trying to eat and go home. See their kids, relax. whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. it's. But yeah, I, the great thing too about the NBA is I think they do give more access than any of the other leagues as far as just having the opportunity to to be up close and, and interact with both the players and coaching staffs and build those relationships. The it has been so it's been out of all the sports that I've worked in, and I've done just about everything. Um, the NBA has been by far the one that I've I've built the most relationships, most mm -hmm. personal relationships with players and staff. It's a family. Uh, the NBA is truly a family. Uh, majority of the people that I've met that work in the NBA with the teams could be players, coaches, scouts, whoever, other reporters, everyone's been so extremely helpful and so, so very nice. Well, let's get on to the court stuff, the things that are happening inside the bubble. Um, we start with exhibitions on Wednesday, mm -hmm. uh, four games slated. We know that they're doing it a little bit different, shorter um, quarters for the exhibition, the first game anyway. What would you expect out of this first night? Um, and, and, and are you watching more for the presentation, how the league is handling this? Um, or Because I'm not expecting high-quality basketball mm -hmm. at this point, considering the layoff. But what will you be looking for? I'm just excited to watch NBA players play basketball again. I don't care if it's an exhibition. Like, I don't care if it's practice. Like, I'm just happy to see them um, just – going out there and doing what they love, having fun. You know, I miss basketball. Like I miss, you know, watching it every day. I miss, you know, the content and um, even like the shoot arounds or practice. There's just so many things that I miss. I, exhibition, I don't really care. I'm just like, I want to see them get their feet wet, you know, mm -hmm. kind of get, you know, back into game playing shape or game playing, whatever you want to call it, the structure. But I'm not really looking for anything in particular. I'm just looking to watch basketball, honestly. The Western Conference um, of the two, it looks like there's two, you know, we have two seeds that are pretty much locked in. The Lakers yeah. would probably have to go over to lose the number one seed. Dallas can't get to six. They're not dropping to eight. But two through six, there could be a lot of change there. Which teams do you see in that group having the best chance to move up and which teams could potentially fall back? Well, I would have to look at the standings right now. Because okay, I'll give you the quick run. I'll give you yeah, the quick I'm run. Not, I, no, yeah, you got <laughs> to give me the standings. I've just been covering, like, the basics. I'm, like, right. not, like, really – I just want basketball back. Like, I don't even <laughs> – like, this is the thing where it's, like, so much, like when players are asked, like, these kinds of questions, they're like, yo, like, what happens, happens. I mean, I, I do think there could potentially be upsets. I mean, yeah. you know, especially in the West, like, I think, you know – It's so or, close. Or, Portland is right up there um, for the eighth seed. You got Memphis, you got the Pelicans. So I just think that there's those teams that I think could potentially squeeze in there and, you know, give the Lakers or the Clippers a run for their money. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think it just depends. I mean, OKC, they're, I mean, dangerous. They've been, they're a very dangerous team. I mean, they've been, no one really thought that CP3 was going to come in there and make the playoffs, but here we are. So, you know, I think he really wanted to prove something. So I, I really think that it's kind of open right now. I mean, I, I hear, I hear different 
opinions on both sides. You have younger teams that are more athletic who don't need as much time to get back into shape where they're just ready to roll. And then, you know, you can look at veterans where they're like, well, they already have, you know, played at this type of level, even though the bubble is a totally different situation mm-hmm. than we've ever been in. Um, I mean, you got, you got the veteran players who've kind of been there, done that, who have more playoff experience. And we see that always plays off, but you got to factor in three months off. Like who's going to give the advantage to the athletic young kids or the veterans who've been there, done that. So now we might see more injuries though for veterans. Mm-hmm. However, we've seen plenty of guys who are coming off injuries who are young and athletic anyways. So it's kind of open, um, but I'm still going to say the Lakers and the Clippers are coming out of the West. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I kind of see things. No, it's, it's really hard. Like anybody who has a definitive answer on anything right now, I would call them a liar. If you say you're definitive about something, no. because we have no clue how guys are showing no. up. We have no clue with teams like the Lakers who've had this, these roster changes for themselves there's just teams are going to be experimenting a little bit. And I think the motivation in these eight games, and you you tell me what you think about this, the motivations are so different for different teams. Because if you're the Lakers or the Clippers, you're saying, we just want to be healthy. There's no home court advantage to play for, really. There's nothing extra to be gained for us. Um, Mm -hmm. We just need to be healthy. But And you get some of these other teams, let's say you are uh, a Washington team, you know you really don't have a shot. Two games in, you might mentally they could be checked out the same the same with the sacramento or san antonio or phoenix because Mm -hmm. all of those teams it's nearly with sacramento i mean marvin bagley getting hurt today i mean come on it's just sacramento's just had nightmare after nightmare yeah you know lamarcus aldridge in san antonio the sun's so many games out they got to go eight and no and have everybody else basically collapse Mm -hmm. how motivated are they you know all those things are x factors in all of this a hundred percent. I mean, some players don't even want to be there. And I know some players who are even on some of the good teams who low key don't want to be there, but they are there because they want to support their team. Um, either way, there's going to be a little asterisk next to the, next to the season. Um, whether people want to say that winning a championship under these conditions is better and, you know, should be deserve more credit than a normal NBA season. I don't know. I can't make, everyone's going to have their opinion. We're going to hear that it's, harder to make an NBA playoff run and under these conditions. And we're also going to hear that, Oh, it's easier and it's going to be downplay of whatever. Um, Cause it's not, everyone's not at full strength. I, I don't know. Everyone has their own opinions. I just want the bat. I want basketball to come back. That's all I really care about. I want to watch. Um, I'm excited to see these guys play again. I'm excited for us to have entertainment. I mean, we've just, we've been without it for too long. Yeah. And, and I think the main thing is, is you're always just kind of like all things being equal as long as yeah. everything's safe. That's first and foremost. I want basketball, but first and foremost, I want safety. And I think you hate that you have to keep saying that, but it is a legitimate debate right now where you have to talk about what's more important, safety or entertainment. And we have to have this debate, which to me is very frustrating. Yeah, I'm with you on it. I'm with you on it, 100%. I just, you know, I just want everybody to come back and and be healthy, however this happens. Certainly LeBron James – um, like as the, the tweet went, if LeBron says we go play, we go play. And so here we are. This is probably his last best chance, considering the financial future of the Lakers, um, to win a championship. They're the number one seed. This is what they played for. This is what they wanted in getting the Anthony Davis trade. Um, getting a championship, we know what it would kind of mean for LeBron's legacy. 
who do you think the uh, a couple of other players that their status in the league, even with an asterisk potentially on this, a championship changes how we perceive them? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, one person who I think really needs a championship under his belt, which I don't think he's going to get it this year, but needs one, uh, Carmelo Anthony, that'd be one who I think really needs a championship before he, he goes out. Um, we've seen a lot of guys retire with no championship under their belt, and it makes me sad because like, like a guy like Vince Carter um, or a guy like Jamal Crawford, um, you know, I really wanted both of those guys to be able to win a championship. And I know Jamal probably maybe still has a couple years under his belt, um, so that'd be nice if he would join a championship team, although I don't think it's a priority to him. Um, at this point, I, yeah. At this point, no, he just wants to play. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's willing to go anywhere. Um, but for, for sure, LeBron needs as many championships as he can get if he ever wants to be considered to be one of the best or to beat LeBron or not, or not LeBron, Michael Jordan is the best player ever alive. Um, which I still think Michael, uh, is ahead in that, but that's a debate for a totally different day. Um, Try to think if there's anyone else that I really would think that needs a championship. Um, I think it could be a game changer for Chris Paul. Chris because Paul. Because Chris Paul, who's never made a conference, well, only one conference final. Yeah. And with Houston, when they had a real chance, if he doesn't get hurt, to beat Golden State. If Chris Paul, who already has, in my mind, I have him as a top five MVP candidate because oh, nobody wow. would have put Oklahoma City in the position that they're in right now. That's a good point. And if he were to somehow pull off a championship – I think it, it puts him in the class of the three or four greatest point guards. of. I mean, I think it becomes Magic, um, Isaiah, Stockton, and Chris Paul at that point, if he yeah. gets a title. I think that's a good one. Um, I mean, you've got guys, yeah, CP3, LeBron, Carmelo Anthony. Um, you've got even James Harden. Russell Westbrook. I mean, these are all guys that if they don't win another championship or a championship at all, of course, it's going to be used against them. You know, it's like, oh, James Harden could be, you know, the leading scorer and you could be breaking records. Same thing with Russ. Oh, triple double. But you guys can't, you know, make it to the finals. You can't win an NBA championship. Uh, People don't realize, though, how hard it is to actually win a championship. So many pieces have to come in place, and there is a little bit of luck involved. I mean, a little bit. But I think, yeah, those are all probably good picks, um, if you want to say that uh, a championship, that they're relying on a championship to solidify their legacy, absolutely. All right, now we get to have some fun questions because I don't have a whole bunch of time with you left, so we'll have some fun questions. I love okay. asking these of folks because okay. I'm a basketball junkie, and it reveals a lot about other people. So first, who's the first player that, that made you fall in love with the game of basketball? The first player to make me fall in the game in love with the game of basketball, I would say Michael Jordan. All right. That's... I'm from Chicago, so Michael Jordan oh. was like the, the first person that I really started watching. Gotcha. There's no problem there. Um, which team, either by year, like that, the team of a particular season or the franchise, will you always hate? Hate. Hate. As hate a fan, you know, sports person. hate is, but it's sports hate. I you know, know not real hate. A team that I hate is the Packers. Green Bay Packers. I'm gonna. I'm, go, with, I you. I'm with you on that. I'm a Detroit I hate Lions. the Packers. <laughs> I can't. Okay, so I'm a Bears fan, unfortunately, but. 
Um, I can't say I hate any NBA teams because I honestly love all of them equally. And I can't say that, yeah, I'm a fan, but I'm not like a diehard, like, oh, go Bulls, over ever. Like, I'm not one of those people. Right. When I, I like all the teams equally. I respect them all. Um, I don't get involved in all that, like, back and forth drama. But when it right. comes to football and the Packers and them beating my Bears every single time, it's like – can we just get a break already? Like, can we just, can we just like figure it out? You know? So I would say, yeah, the, the one team that I hate is the Packers. Yeah. I, I hate the Packers too. I, yeah. I can't stand it. Who likes the Packers? Good. Honestly. Why should you? Why should you? What, what they, they, there's such a snooty group of people. It it's is. Like a small town. It is. They, they just think that they're better than everyone else. So I'm just like, I can't. No, no, not at all. Okay. So if aliens drop down from the sky, they're, they've got you hostage, and they say you get to pick five players from the history of the NBA to play for your life. <laughs> Who are you taking? Ooh, okay. Top five players. No, to play for your life. This is your to team, not your five life. favorite players. This is a team you're putting together. To are play they for your life. playing against the aliens from Space Jam? It doesn't matter who you're playing against. That doesn't I need matter. to know who they're playing against. It's, it, is, it like... it's no monsters or anything. They're five other human beings. Five so other they've human got, yeah, beings. Yeah, so it's basketball players versus other real basketball players. Ooh. I'm going to take – God, you're putting me on the spot here. I know. That's I'm why I like this. I'm for sure <laughs> taking Michael Jordan. I'm for sure taking LeBron James. I'm for sure taking Magic Johnson. Okay. Um, we need a good passer in there. Someone who, like, genuinely loves to pass the ball and get his teammates involved. Um, ooh. What am I looking at now? You're looking at a four and a five, maybe, unless you want four to play LeBron five. at the four? No, we're going to play LeBron at the three. A five, I'm definitely taking Shaq. 100%. Like, it just – it also depends on, how, like, what era, like what kind of style of player they play. It's it's just basket. It's street ball. It's street ball. Game street is, ball. Yeah. Street ball. Game okay. to 21. That's it. Game to 21. Street ball. Okay. Yeah, then I for sure need shock. There's no stopping him at all. Um. Ooh, a power forward. I want to try to find a power forward who's big but can shoot threes. Porzingis? <laughs> Dirk? No. Dirk? Dirk can be a good one. I mean, Tim Duncan didn't really shoot threes. No, Timmy doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't shoot threes. This is tough. I mean, Dirk is, is about – or you could put Bird in at the four, too, because Bird played a lot of four. And you could put Bird at the four. You, and with him and LeBron, you got passing, you got shooting – yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm going to put Larry Bird. I've seen him hit some crazy three-point shots before. I've, I've seen him even in practices hitting crazy shots. I know that if he was playing in today's game, which we see a lot of big men are tending to learn how to shoot threes. They're handling the ball better. They're um, a lot more athletic. They, they see where the game is changing now. So I'm willing to bet if it's, if it's today's game and, and they're playing street ball and we're relying heavily on a shot, I'm going to take Larry Bird. Oh, yeah, and Bird's a nasty son of a gun. I mean, that dude's going yes. to fight for it. And that's what you – your team is made up primarily of people who will also compete to the death. And that's what I would want from, from my team. Is Kobe's not going to – you know, guys like Kobe, Jordan, Magic, Bird, Shaq, 
LeBron, they're going to play and give you everything you got. So if you're going to die, it's going to be a close game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all life. those guys I just chose, I mean, they've won multiple championships. So it's just one of those things. Um, but like you said, you, you got to have that winning mentality, and that's what they all have. All right, I'm going to give you this last one because you got this one is always one that I, I really enjoy. Your favorite basketball movie. Favorite basketball movie. Now, I've had people answer Air Bud, which I have no idea why anybody would say Air Bud. I've had people say Like Mike, which I have no why anybody would pick Bow Wow for their favorite basketball movie. So I am betting that you have a really good answer. <laughs> Let me see. I mean, I can't, Like Mike is probably my top five. I do like Like Mike, but it's not my number one. Um, I love Love and Basketball. That's a great movie. Um, I love Space Jam. I can't just pick one. I mean, these are movies if I see them on, okay, if I see Space Jam on TV, I'm watching it all the way through. So I'm going to go with Space Jam as my favorite basketball movie. Mine is still He Got Game. Even that though the ending too. is terrible. The yeah. ending is absolutely terrible. But for three quarters of it, it's, it's, it's so real. Yeah. It just feels honest. And that's mm -hmm. what I really like about that one. So um, I'm going to let you go on that one because, okay. you know, we had a short time. But Ashley, thank you so much for joining me. Please tell folks how they can follow you, catch up on all your content, because you do produce so much great content. So please yeah. let them know. Yeah, they can go follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Ashley Neville, A-S-H-L-E-Y-N-E-V-E-L. Or they could go to my website, ashleyneville.com, and that's where I post, um, you know, most of my content. I haven't updated it in a while, but uh, I need to, because I've been getting new content every day, so I have to kind of just keep updating. And then also they can apply for my mentorship program if they're looking for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I hope we get to have you back again sometime. Yes, of course. All right, this has been another episode of Hard to Paint. We'll be back tomorrow with another new one. Thank you so much. This is David Grubb and we're out.